0: Hey guys, it's, uh, welcome back to another episode before I get a bit ahead of myself there. It's, uh, Chris here from chaos movies straight up. I've been, I've been debating watching this movie internally for a while and, um, had a crack at it tonight and it's Greenland, right? So apocalyptic Armageddon tomorrow. Um, Day after tomorrow day after tomorrow, I don't think it's called that. Twenty twelve, whatever. Anyway, all those all those disaster movies, Geostorm, bullshit movie that one was. I did well, I wanted to watch this movie, but I, I just heard a different element or a different perspective from a couple of reviewers and I thought, well, I don't you know, sometimes you just get into that zone where you just wanna watch an action packed movie or something with a little bit of class or something with a little bit of with a bit of zing, but but you know what, it got the better of me, and I bought it tonight and, and decided to watch it. So Greenland, which is directed by Rick Roman um, War, he mm, you know it, he's the director of Angel Has Fallen, which is a Gerard Butler special. Um, don't like it. Didn't like it at all. I thought it was absolute garbage. Uh, obviously, I love Olympus Has Fallen and um, London Has Fallen was pushing it a little bit, but Angel Has Fallen was absolute shit. He also directed uh, directed um, Snitch with The Rock, and um, yeah, not a bad movie. Pretty mellow, you know, nothing too too crazy, but that's it. Yeah, he's got a couple other movies with Val Kilmer and 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 um, Ethan Hawke. I think not Ethan Hawke. Jesus Christ. Uh Oh, fuck, I forgot his name. The dude who played Deacon Frost in Blade. You know who I'm talking about. I think it's called Felon. Uh, didn't really like that movie either. It was written by Chris Spar- um, Sprawling, And, yeah, he's got his name on a couple of things, like Buried with Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> Intense, underground, very dark, low budget. Uh, sea of Trees with Matt McConaughey. And a couple other movies that I haven't seen yet so it centers around a couple of characters I'm gonna actually I'm gonna like unravel a few things here for you with character choice in this movie first up you got Gerard Butler played John Garrity and then you got uh Morena Baccaran she well look for me she's Deadpool she's Deadpool's hot chick she's in Serenity and um you know what, other movies I haven't seen. So we'll leave it at that. So those two are married. They have a son called Nathan. So that's it. You've got your three main protagonists in this movie. They're the the heart and soul of this movie. I guess what I've I've read and what I've understood and just after recently watching it, it, it makes a lot of sense that the cliche Armageddon movie is filmed with big impact, big explosion, big, the world is going to end disaster, deep impact, Armageddon-type stuff, right? But like a lot of the reviewers have said, this is filmed from the perspective of a family, a family who are kind of estranged, you could probably say. They're having marital problems. But the way it's told, the the way the... not the narrative, but the way the um it's complex it's very complex because they tell it as the movie goes along and that's what I absolutely appreciate so starting off uh, wealthy kind of wealthy family um, Gerard Butler's character is a an engineer of sorts building industry, structural engineer, and of course. Clark, which is the asteroid or the comet that's heading towards Earth, is imminent. <clears throat> but it's supposed to miss Earth. But I'm assuming the government is telling lies. So they're just telling everyone what they need to hear and that it's going to miss us by a couple of miles, all that kind of stuff. And this is where it's exciting for me because most of the time it's like there's an asteroid coming towards Earth and we're going to die. Like we're the only fucking planet in the world that an asteroid's coming towards. But you know what? We got technology, and we got we got telescopes and shit, so we can see it. This one, some somehow, was not from our our um, uh, not universe. Um, wasn't in our solar system. It just rocked up, and all of a sudden, we're onto it. And the government immediately starts to lie. That's the first. That's the first sign I noticed in that movie is that it was it was preset that the government is basically going to lie their way through. And that's, it's probably smart. So you can stop a bit of, you know, crazy, um, bedlam mayhem, all that kind of stuff that's going to go down anytime there's a, like an apocalyptic coming your way. So they, they give this like presidential alert thing and the way they played that out before I go any further, I'm going to spoil the entire movie in my conversation. So if you haven't watched it, um, <clears throat> don't listen. Go watch it. Come back and re-listen. If you have, then just sit back and, and let me pick it apart. I, I st- Hey, I still love it. I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. But let's just go back to the shopping centre when he's um, going to get – when Gerard Butler's character, John, is going to get some alcohol and some stuff for the party that's coming up because, you know, they – this this movie's got a family sense to it. You you'll see that, and he gets this presidential alert. Kind of sounds like the fucking, um, purge siren going off on his phone, and he basically says, "You've been chosen," which that's pretty cool because most disaster movies you don't ever get to see it from the perspective of the chosen. And the the he gets back home and he asks his wife, "Did you see the message?" And she says, "No," because she was blow drying her hair when it came through on the TV. She didn't see it and had this big party going on with all their neighbours. And while they're watching the TV, the alert comes back up again, which is hilarious because I don't know how I would act when something like this comes around, but I'm assuming it's natural to just be like, well, we didn't get a text. Why are you guys getting a text? No one would look at it objectively and just go like, okay, well, he's special. He's an engineer and whatever. No one would do that in their right mind. You would just be like, fend for yourself. We've got to survive. Blah blah blah. That's not the. That's not what they're getting. They're getting out here in this scene. In this scene, they want you to just go, "Wow, this family." We're about to follow them for this entire movie. So we want to, we want to build a relationship between the viewer and the actors, and you get that. And the only way you get that cemented in your head is when the, they are fleeing their house, and they've packed all their bags in a very irresponsible way they didn't read the message right but they packed three bags each and you'll find out that that was probably too much but on the way out they run into all the neighbors who are trying to be empathetic um uh, like or trying to be you know where you going, take us with you all that kind of stuff it's really it's really brutal and you it will touch your heart and Obviously, the messages that they got said no exceptions. You can't take anyone extra. It's just you three, and that's the that's it. You feel it, right? And that's what I love about this movie. It really gets you feeling. Yeah, okay. Well, it took me a couple of hours to watch the movie because I'd pause it and go hang out at the washing, and I'd come back and start watching it again because sometimes it just gets a bit much. You just you could somehow feel what's coming, but then it's sort of it's sort of telling a story throughout the movie. So you don't want to miss it. There's a, there's a part of you that just thinks this is going to be that cliche, apocalyptic end of the world type bad weather movie, but it just starts to unravel in ways that you just, you know, but it's, it's not normally done in a movie like this. So once they get free, they keep focusing on their son's insulin. Uh, so one thing I've learned about a movie, oh sorry, a couple of things I've learned about a movie. Okay. They choose a certain amount of characters throughout a movie, and that is in they're placed strategically of in a in a way of they're valuable to the movie. Okay. So think of that as props as well. So for starters. At the start of the movie, <clears throat> this is going to give a lot away, start of the movie, he's a structural engineer, okay? So, okay, well, say, say if you already knew that this movie was going to end up in a bunker and they've got to select uh, special people in the world, well, they just told you his career choice, structural engineer. When uh, shit goes pear-shaped, they want doctors, they want scientists, they want structural engineers, they want nurses, so on and so on. Boom. That's your first giveaway. Easter egg. Call it, no, nah, not an Easter egg. Just call it a that. And then they point out that their son has a medical disability. Now, that doesn't mean that he's needed in the bunker, but it plays a part later on. And when they, that, and then, okay, character choices. So, that's what I want to get back to. Character choices. Okay, you got Scott Glenn, which is um, – he he's an older bloke now, but he's been in tons of movies like Hunt for Red October, Backdraft, uh, Silence of the Lambs, definitely Sucker Punch, which I actually loved. And um, mm, not as much Daredevil, I don't remember that, but Ezra in Bourne and The Paperboy. So on and so, on. you get the point. Okay. So that's Scott Glenn. Then we scroll through to I've got to actually look him up because isn't it's order of appearance. Sorry. I don't want to get to the all the little extras, but there's a there's a guy in here. Oh, there you go. David Denman. He's in Brightburn. Um 13 hours with uh John Krasinski. And Lucky Logan, so on and so on. Okay, so I've seen that guy several times in some movies. And then Hope Davis. Hope Davis is in it too. You might remember her from um, about Schmidt, uh, Civil War, uh, Your Honor with Brian Cranston, uh, Love Life with Anna Kendrick, so on and so on. You get the picture. These people are strategically placed throughout the movie. And that for me, like the insulin and like the structural engineer stuff it's a bit of a giveaway they place them in in a point in the movie so you know they're going to play a a role whether it's good or evil so like for instance the heartfelt um andrew bachelor who is um from the babysitter he's the African american guy who gets blood all over his mouth and he's all upset about it and i've seen him in other movies before so i'm like okay he's going to play a very small but crucial role and he did he did in the back of the the vehicle uh old mate um the one i mentioned earlier on sorry sorry bear with me i have to bring his name back up david denman and hope davis i i always thought hope davis was possibly part of um a movie called running scared uh i really just Bear with me because if that's the case, she's not as sadistic in this part, or well, she's in real steel with with um you know anyway, besides the point once once you saw the insulin problem that their son was having and they were on their way to a base where they were to be taken off to an undisclosed location because they were presidentially ordered to be there, and when they get there. <clears throat> You just knew the insulin was going to be a problem, and of course it was. It's left in the back of the car. They got in, and you feel great for them. You're like, yes, they're together. Great. This is going to be good. I'm really happy. This is awesome. But it's not the end of the movie. We're only 20, 30 minutes in. So hubby, Gerard Butler, says, I'll go back and get it. It's all good. And you're like, you know that's never going to work. But they want you to get they want you to get intense about this film. They want you to feel what they feel, and I, I, I get that. But naturally, and I've had some experience with this, when you are humble and you are righteous, not righteous, uh, when you are humble and you are nice and you are courteous and and you want to follow the rules, the mum and the son go up to this military guy and said, look, my husband's just gone outside to get my son's insulin and um, I'm just wondering if you could just wait for him when he gets back. And he's just like, insulin? And that huge red flag just comes up and it's almost like instantly she knew Allison, the mum, knew she shouldn't have said anything because now they overlooked his whole, their son's medical condition. And for some reason in the bunkers that they want to retreat to, um, they don't want anyone with any medical issues, which is, it's a bit sad. They overlooked it. It's a fundamental flaw, but they overlooked it. So this is where the movie gets really interesting because this is this is that point where hubby's gone back to the car and uh, mum and son have been kicked out of the military compound, but husband comes back and hops on the plane and, and everyone starts looking at him strangely because he's got an insulin pack. And they're like, you're not supposed to be here with a medical condition. It's really well told. It's really – it's well written. I like that kind of thing because I know – the fact that the name of the movie is called Greenland and they so far in the first hour of the film, you don't hear or see anything about Greenland. So I know already that they might make it or that you'll even see Greenland. It's like, you know, you know, so just, just stay invested. The, 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 the secrets unfold, the story unfolds throughout the movie. It's just a different way of telling it that we're normally used to. We're way, uh, uh, the day after tomorrow, which is that uh weather movie with um Jake Gyllenhaal and Dennis Quaid. You know, that was a little bit different, probably not as believable as this one. Uh Armageddon, a little bit, you know, not believable at all. Deep impact, same thing. Twenty twelve, a little bit over exaggerated. Um this one I just like how they film it from the family's perspective. So you get to see the lives unraveled and lives coming back together through strength of family and the adversity that they face along the way. Yeah. Couple of, couple of things you'd like, you know, but they're all going in the same direction. So that's the thing when they, when this movie sort of starts to unravel after the military base and she leaves a note saying that cause he came back to the vehicle that they came back to. And she left a note on the window saying, we're going to my dad's house in Kentucky. So you've got a point A to point B scenario. Uh, and they've just got to get there. They either, rain, hail or shine, they both know where they're going. That's the that's a pretty cool thing to add to this movie. Put your mind at ease a little bit. Knowing that they're eventually going to be together, but along the way, you're going to find out why shit went bad or how they're going to rectify it. and I guess the, one, the time displacement, I suppose, bothers me a little bit. I don't know the geography or the topography of, of the United States and Northern America, but, but it seems like they always get where they need to go in a hurry and, yeah, but that's okay. That, that's okay with this, this, um, this narrative, with this storyline. As I said, it's complex, but it's complex from a family point of view so you're not looking and you're not looking at the aerial shots of meteors hitting the ground or whatever you're viewing everything through someone else's eyes whether it be on the radio on the TV or just very brief moments when you see fragments coming through the atmosphere that kind of stuff you, you it, in my head I'm screaming like let me see the catastrophic damage but you don't you don't get to see it so you just have to you just have to trust in what they're trying to do Really worth a watch. I, you know, as I said, so worth a watch because I want you to notice the character placements. Like I said, you got, so straight up, you get your, um, you get Gerard Butler and you get your, um, uh, not no, not straight up Gerard Butler. Uh, sorry, yeah, no, Gerard Butler straight up and then you get his wife, um, Alison, and then Roger, which is the son, And then throughout the movie, if I can sort of work it out, you get um, none of the military personnel matter. They're just extras. The first one that you would know or remember would be old mate, David Denham and Hope Davis. Okay. They're the first two, let's just say protagonists. Uh, sorry, uh, antagonists. And you already know what they're going to do because they sort of lay it out for you. And on Gerard Butler's side, you get Andrew Batchelor, who is a protagonist. He gives a little bit of a heartfelt play in the back of the car on the way north, gives him the information he needs. Kind of like 2012 when um, uh, John Cusack meets Woody Harrison and he sort of gives him a bit of a map layout of where these secret government bases are. Well, Andrew Batchelor's character, Colin, gives <clears throat> Gerard Butler a bit of a layout that everyone's going to fly out from a small town in Canada and they're on their way to Greenland. So you got that part. And then you got, it's kind of it really. It's Hope Davis, old mate, Andrew Batchelor, and then the dad, which he lends his daughter, Allison the car. And there's a little bit of a reconnect for them too. And then more of a solid reconnect for Gerard Butler and his wife. And then you know everything's going to be okay. You find out a little bit, a bit more of the fundamental foundations of why they're not together and that kind of stuff. It's just – just, it's subtle. It's subtle. It plays out really well. And that's, that's – I can't see anything else around it. There are so many flaws with this movie just for me personally, but I overlook them because I'm looking for – I'm actively looking for flaws and I'm actively looking for – the the wow factor of a movie. But this one, the wow factor is that it's not a cliche-style movie, uh, end-of-the-world-style movie, but it's also got the classic holes in there. They don't need to make things so obvious. You've got to give props, not CGI. CGI is not the best in this movie, but you've got to give props to the colour variations of this movie. So throughout... When they're driving, nighttime, daytime, whatever. But the colors of the actual, um, I guess the, the the film overlay. I don't know what you call it. It's like CPR gray wash, green wash, whatever. It changes every time there's a comet around or something that comes into the atmosphere, and it gets redder or yellowy or tingy tinted copper look. It's really, it's pretty cool. It, I, I really, I really like it. You know what I mean? Like, it's different. It's fresh. So, hey, why not? After the disaster of Geostorm that Drive Butler was in, I'd strongly advise you to have a watch of this one. Soak it in. Enjoy all its little parameters that sort of give you just a couple of different degrees north of what you're normally used to. So, check it out and... Be amazed, I guess. Look, we're always looking for new content, always looking for new styles, different perspective of movies. So, hey, uh, I, I was happy with it. Anyway, that's it. Twenty-two minutes rant over. Probably more I could have be uh, could have been said about that movie, uh, probably in a good way. But just have a watch, and as always, thanks for listening, and I'll catch you later. Bye bye.